Cowabunga! Happy Holidays! Merry Christmas, everyone! Uh, Rob hopping on here bright and early. It looks like 5.07 a.m. on December 18th as I'm recording this. Uh, hopping on real quick just to let you know a few things. First of all, uh, the episode that you're about to hear is an episode that Zach and I recorded uh, quite some time ago. It is about opening moves, part two. And that leads me into the second thing I wanted to say. And that is, uh, we got some great things coming up the pike for Turtles Forever for the podcast. Uh, One, Zach and I, we're doubling up on issues. We're going to try to get caught up as soon as we possibly can. We're going to start with the ongoing, and we're going to cover issues 132, 133, and hopefully 134 and 135. uh, All in one shot, and we'll probably divide the episode, something like that. And then we'll jump into the uh, Armageddon game and get caught up with that as well. So we have full plans. We've actually recorded or set a date that we're going to record everything. So it, it's happening. It'll probably release either late this year or early next year, most likely. And speaking of next year, Kirk and I were talking and we are jumping into the classic era of the Turtles. And we're going to record a little differently this next coming year in 2023. We definitely, both of our goals are to create a lot more Ninja Turtles content. This past year was wonderful. We got to do uh, some really cool things this year. But if I'm being honest, I wish I could have pumped a little bit more Ninja Turtle content out there. And I couldn't. However, we've got some ideas to be a little bit more consistent with the Turtles content. And um, and kind of go back to the early roots of Turtle Flakes in, in the way we're going to do it. And I think it can work out. So stay tuned for that. I guess time will tell whether that works out. Uh, but January, plan on it. Set your calendars, whatever you got to do. We're returning to the classic era. We're going to talk about some of the classic cartoon episodes. I'm thinking season two since we've already covered season one. Maybe some Archie stuff or some Mirage Volume 1 stuff. And then we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. Also, like I said, Zach and I will be pumping out some episodes. Excited about that. And of course, you can always count on our interns to pump out a few episodes as well. Always excited to hear what those rascals are up to. And then finally, guys, I just want to say thank you again for listening. But guys, you know, the only bummer was we didn't get to watch We Wish You a Turtle Christmas this year. That's pretty much an annual tradition of ours. I'm actually going to Disney for Christmas this year, so I couldn't really pump out a, a brand new episode. That's why this was finally getting around to being edited and posted. So hope you all have a wonderful Christmas, guys. Thank you so much for listening and excited for a new year coming up. Oh, so sorry, guys. I, I apologize, but I, I got to go. I got to get a gift for Splinter. <laughs> Calvunga dudes. Gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift for Splinter. Gotta get a gift for Splinter. I hate shopping in the winter, but do you get the Ninja Master who has everything? Oh, baby. Gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift for Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas.
Greetings, minions! This is Lord Crab. Hello, everybody. My name's Grayson. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtles Forever. Brought to you by my radical dudes, Bebop and Rocksteady. I crack myself up. Cowabunga, doo 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 and welcome to another episode of Booyaka Tales Radio. I am your host, Rob, and join with me, as always, on these IDW crossover episodes is my main man, my partner in Ninja Turtle Crime, Mr. Zach Norris. How are you, buddy? Yo, yo, Rob, what's up? Good. I am, uh, oh, jeez, here I am butchering the intro. <laughs> no, that, that's what um, I do, man. You're good. <laughs> yeah, well, at least now, you know, we know whose part needs to be edited first. <laughs> um, I am good, Rob. Thank you for asking. How are you? <laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic. You know, it's uh, 1230, uh, 12.34 a.m. as we're recording this, at least in, on my neck, in my neck of the woods. It's about, what, nine-something your way? It is nine thirty-four in my neck of the woods, but again, apparently, I'm I'm the one who needs to get some caffeine in me because I'm tripping over my own name and stuff. <laughs> no way, no way. You don't even have to say your name. Everyone knows, you know, you're you're the you're the guy on this show. So uh, you're yeah. you're too kind. Way too kind. <laughs> well, yeah. So, guys, we we just came off the heels of recording on. Uh, issue 131 which was awesome and i think this is this issue of the armageddon game opening moves issue number two is a great parallel to 131 uh so i'm, I'm really excited about to talk about that before we get into it man have you been up to anything ninja turtles lately shoot dude i have been a um I've been a pretty bad Ninja Turtles fan lately Me if too. i if i can confess um besides these books uh, which I, I just snagged 132 this week. Got got my three covers, um, some some good covers this time around. And actually, dude, like sitting here reading this book, I only have one copy of Opening Moves Number Two because our shop was shorted a box in our shipment, and of course, it was the box that had most of our Turtles copies. So mm-hmm. we literally only got one copy of armageddon game opening moves too and it and so of course i held it for myself because i gotta look after I number one at the shop <laughs> yeah exactly dude like i mean come on like there's some there's some turtle fans in the shop we have about 10 or so turtle subscribers now but look i'm the turtles guy people know this people expect this of me so sorry <laughs> sometimes you got to be a little selfish right right um, they, have to, they have to take but, one for a team and give it to you Exactly, exactly. And I have to take the one for the team, the team being me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it I was I was bummed because I only got my one copy. Um, but it's it's also a, a good one to have. It's the RI cover. So oh. it it's kind of a double edged sword here. I love this cover. It's Kevin Eastman cover. It's got a super sweet, like spacey cosmic portrait of Cherube on the the cover, and it is it is just screaming, screaming Jack Kirby. Like this cover is absolutely dripping with Jack Kirby influence. Like you, like we all know that uh, that Kevin loves Jack Kirby. He was super inspired by Kirby and early in his career, um, he just you know, Kevin getting inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame, he shouted out, you know, Jack Kirby as his big inspiration. 
and you can totally see it here on this cover. It's it's basically just every inch of this thing is covered in what's called Kirby crackle, like these <laughs> these kind of spacey dots that are all over the place, dude. People kind of lovingly refer to that as Kirby crackle. So oh, I love that. I didn't know that, huh? Yeah, it's really rad, dude. Do a, do a Google search of Kirby Crackle, and you'll see some really, really good examples. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this cover is great. But with that being said, I usually don't read my RI covers because they're the harder ones to get. Like they're the issues that I want to protect most. So I am I am a reader and a collector, and so reading my RI covers got me a little stressed out. Why well, I feel so bad for you that you only have one copy. That's awful. i hate that for you man (laughs) dude i mean geez first first world turtle problems man but she's i know yeah hey brother i hear you yeah and i i've i've got my uh the cover a and man pharaoh pay i hope i'm saying his name right just golly he's a wonderful artist and i love this cover you know this one and the last one have been incredible with the uh the rat king kind of being in the in the the uh, the foreground here, and then on the left-hand yeah. side, we've got uh, Null, Alpex, or excuse me, not Alpex, uh, Kitsune, Shredder, Baxter, Hob, and then Cherubase flying across. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. And it's it's a gorgeous cover, dude, and it's also a connecting cover with issue one. So that's another reason why I'm bummed is that, like, Pharaoh Pay, it looks like he's going to be doing... He, he did the opening moves covers, and then it looks like he's doing the ongoing covers that are tied into Armageddon game. And so, like, oh, cool. I'm going to get through this whole event and then be missing, like, one cover, and it's a connecting cover. It's just like, come on, man. Oh, I hear you, uh, man. I know uh, when I first got into CDs, it was a quick side note. It was uh, I started saving up my allowance to buy Iron Maiden CDs, and it was, like, in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, and I'd go to Best Buy to get them. And they had, uh, when you bought the CDs, the little side title where the, the title of the CD was would be a small picture of Eddie's face. Eddie's the Iron Maiden mascot. I yeah. had every single one of them except for one. One was like the Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. That one was just like an old, like early 90s CD. And it did not fit. And it drove me nuts. I could not find mm. that one. But yeah, I, I feel you, man. <laughs> it's. It's it's the struggle, dude. It's a collector struggle. Um, I know, I know, and nobody cares and, but me. No, and nobody knows it but me. <laughs> um, no, dude. Speaking of collector struggles, this is another thing that uh, bummed me out with this issue. Is so IDW did another online exclusive for this issue. And heads up to everybody out there listening. If you guys are not aware of this, IDW. Uh, once a month announces like a a selection of online exclusive covers and they choose like four or five books from their lineup that month. And um, last month, TMNT 131 was one of them, or actually a couple months ago now, excuse me. Um, but there was one for, there was an online exclusive for Opening Moves number two, and the art was by Mateus Santaloco. And you guys have heard me sing Mateus's praises up and down on this podcast. He's one of my favorite turtle artists. I love his cover on this book, but as you guys may or may not have heard me speak about on our episode for 131, they still haven't even shipped my uh, copy of 131 that I ordered as an online exclusive, and that's been like two months now. So I didn't want to order another online exclusive and that take like another two months to get. So I was like, all right, man, I'm just going to, 
Unfortunately, I'm going to have to pass on this Mateus cover, and it's breaking my heart, but I will. Uh, my heart will be repaired soon enough because he's doing all the retailer incentive covers for the one-shot alliance issues. So you guys will have your chance. Uh, if your shop is ordering at least 10 or more copies of Turtle stuff, you'll have your chance to get um, your hands on some more Mateus artwork. So, so good luck out there. That's a killer uh, cover too with the chess pieces. That's oh, awesome. Oh, it's so good, dude. Shredder and Kitsune like standing on this big uh, chess board and all the other chess uh, pawns are characters from the show or from the show, from the comic. Baxter's there, Null is there, Cherubay and, and Hob are there and it looks like like Rat King's finger in the background manipulating one of the pieces. Like, That's cool. It's a freaking mm-hmm. killer cover that I probably won't get to own. But that's okay. Your heart will go on. <laughs> yes. You're far wherever yes, you are. Yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Well, all right, guys. I wish well, we we'll could take... cut in audio without getting sued because that would be a good <laughs> Titanic drop right there. That's right, exactly. Uh, all right, so I I figure I'll go ahead and read the story so far and go through the role here. If you want to get us started with the story, I'd love to, man. Let's do it. All right, so here we go. This is opening moves issue number two. Hello, violators. You're in Casey's comic classroom. Prepare to be screwed. The story so far. The Rat King has been plotting behind the scenes of New York City and Mutant Town with his newly recruited trio of terror, Leather Krang, Madame Null, and Baxter Stockman. As a result, his witch sister, Kitsune, and the Shredder have been have undertaken a desperate metaphysical journey seeking past weaknesses in order to counter the trickster god's latest deadly gambit. Now, with Krang out of the way, Shredder and Kitsune turn their attention to Madame Null and Baxter Stockman. The story's done by Tom Waltz, and the art was done by Pharaoh Pei. Colors by Rhonda Patterson. Letters by Sean Lee. Editorial systems are Vanessa Real and Nicholas Nino. And the editor here is Charles Beecham. All right, buddy. So we jump in here, and this picks up right where the first issue left off. Uh, this kind of astral projection, if you will, of Shredder and Kitsune, or excuse me, Oroku Saki and Kitsune have floated up to the mayoral residential home of Mayor Baxter Stockman. And uh, they're floating outside his window on some kind of like Ghost of Christmas Past type stuff, <laughs> getting ready to invade his psyche so they can see, you know, what he's afraid of so they can you know, figure out new recruits like we saw in the first issue. So we, uh, we've got some dialogue here where Baxter is asking for a Miss Flood and he yells out Zara. He's like, dang it, woman, must I do everything myself? And while he's talking to himself inside the building, Saki and Kitsune are discussing, uh, are discussing Baxter. He says, this one appears agitated. And Shredder says, does he? He appears to be scheming, but then again, I would expect no less from Baxter Stockman. And we turn the page and we see Baxter interact with his secretary, this Miss uh, Zara. He says, you called? And he says, more than once. And he says, more than I expect to. And I'm, and must I remind you that at all times in this building, I am, be, I am to be addressed as Mr. Mayor. And she says, sorry, doc, uh, Mr. Mayor, I just, and he says, not important. This, however, is, and we're getting like classic, you know, like 80s villain douchebaggery vibes here from Baxter. (laughs) Like he's just, he's not letting her talk. He's cutting her off. He's, you know, I'm going to pour my whiskey while you sit here and do your job, whatever. Like all the, all the typical things we would see from like 
a character like that. He says, I want the name of the private paramilitary company that imbecile agent Bishop had under contract for the EPF, their contact information as well. She says, yes, sir, I'll get you that info ASAP. He says, see that you do. Shredder says, perhaps you're correct, Kitsune. He does appear to be rather anxious. Kitsune says, yes, well, my family's game tends to evoke that particular response in many of those who choose to play, especially when the Rat King is the one providing the rules. Shredder says, shall we dig deeper? She says, of course, Saki, it is why we are here, to journey into his mind. And they get all wispy and smoky and twisty and turny, and they invade Baxter's mind. And I will handle... I'll do these first couple pages here, Rob, and then I'll turn it over to you. Sounds perfect. Uh, or the, the at least the first pages of this interaction here. So we go back uh, into the past a little bit. We're in New York City months ago at the TCRI building. And Baxter says, Incubation continues at a satisfactory pace. All specimens remain intact and viable. Estimate for delivery in three weeks. His assistant says, is that all, Dr. Stockman? He says, for now, get the pertinent data to null and then feel free to leave for the weekend, Miss Flood. Which, what an interesting name, Miss Flood. Uh, she says, um, actually, sir, next week starts my vacation. I'm out until after the first of the year. He says, out? She says, yes, you you approve my request, remember? He says, oh, uh, yes, of course. I remember your holiday request. Seems a silly waste of time to me, considering the amount of work <laughs> yet to be done, but very well. She says, and you, sir, your plans for the holiday? He says, other than a few annoying mayoral duties and working diligently to keep this company profitable? No, none. Same as any other year. Use your time off wisely, Miss Flood. I fully expect you to be prepared to recommence with all your duties immediately upon your return. She says, yes, doctor. Cuts back to him now in the lab alone, and he says, darned people in their senseless holidays, off gallivanting <laughs> while the rest of us stay busy keeping the world turning. All by ourselves and an interesting little uh, setup here that like he's got these eggs floating in these tubes um, if I'm remembering correctly these eggs are from the slithery uh, mutant like yes. Baxter was mm -hmm. kind of like uh, almost like breeding or harvesting these eggs they're in these like incubation chambers floating in what I'm assuming is mutagen stuff he's talking about dealing with null like this definitely gives off the vibes that like he and Null are trying to create some kind of, you know, mutant soldiers. But um, of course he's discovered at work by none other than old Hob. We see Hob kind of sneaking in the shadows. And yeah, he says, cool. all alone for Christmas, are you? And Stockman turns around super scared and says, you. And then you can take over from there, Rob. All right, so I like this. So it, just to go back to the Christmas issue, uh, remember Old Hob, he is playing with the weasels. So this must be like shortly after that, uh, right? Because, or excuse me, this is shortly before that because uh, Flood is about to take the holiday break or, or vacation. So uh, I kind of like the, the interesting tie there with Old Hob. And so he has this big confrontation with Baxter. A couple days later, he's playing with his weasels. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, I think it's cool but oh, gosh I love this character so he once again I'm kind of rooting for him here so you flip the page here and Hob has his you know sinister smirk on he goes join the club so he goes speaking of alone thought your uh, your secretary was never going to leave me and you got some personal business to settle and three's a crowd so you see this face of Baxter here already starting to look a little frightened 
So Hob goes, hey, what's wrong, Baxter? Cat got your tongue? Which, cat pun, <laughs> I respect that. Uh, yeah. He's like, and then he flips out his knife and goes, well, not yet. So uh, Baxter goes, I suppose that's meant to frighten me? <laughs> and Hob goes, nah, <laughs> it's meant to cut you to ribbons. Uh, Baxter goes, screwed fool, bringing a knife to a gunfight. Pulls out his gun here. And he goes, now tell me, how did you get past my security? Hob goes, wow, you're getting forgetful, ain't you? First your secretary's vacation, and now me. Flip the page, and Hob, he's uh, getting ready to strike here. He goes, I used to be your favorite guinea pig, remember? Spent a lot of quality time in your stock gen labs back in the day, getting the lab, getting the lay of the land. This place ain't much different. New building, same old torture chamber. So Baxter, he's done uh, trying to stall here. He shoots. Old Hob dodges the attack, and he, he goes, same old tricks. Still has his knife in hand. Hasn't lost his cool one bit. He goes, and if anyone's learned all your sneaky tricks the hard way, it's little old me. So really cool scene here where Baxter's hiding behind some of his equipment as uh, old Hob, decked down his, his signature trench coat, uh, is coming by, kind of brooding with his knife, uh, knowing probably full well where old Hobbit is hiding. So old Hob, or excuse me, Baxter, uh, excuse me, where Baxter was hiding, I'll have to edit that part. So Baxter, he rears the corner, shoots again, he goes, you know nothing, imbecilic mutant. Old Hob goes, I know you missed. Baxter goes, oh crap. <laughs> so, so old hobby attacks and really cool panel here in the in the center of uh, this page. Old Hob lunges right for Baxter, pins him against the wall. He's got his knife to his face and he goes, "I know the next part's gonna hurt you a lot." Baxter's still not backing down. He goes, "Is that so? Well, before you start, let me tell you what I know, Mister Hob." Flip the page and uh, Baxter. He's got the sinister grin. He goes, I know you're you're alone now, a pariah. And so this is a cool refresher on everything that happened with Old Hob in Mutant Town shortly, mm-hmm. I think it was uh, shortly before Christmas. You're pursued. And that's a shot with uh, the turtles uh, chasing, excuse me, Raphael and Mona Lisa and Sally chasing Old Hob there, beaten and imprisoned. And exiled by your fellow mutants, tossed onto the street like the dirty trash that you are. What's the matter, old Hob? Cat got your tongue? Oh, yeah, and then we see a little reference there. See, TMNT uh, 121 through 122. Great scene here. So Hob, he stabs right next to him. At first, I thought he stabbed him. Uh, he says, shut up. We see a tiny little panel. He just barely missed his ear. And he goes, shut up. Throws a Baxter against one of the containers that had the eggs one of the uh, canisters there the giant ones old hobby's getting to his feet here covered in news he goes how predictably pathetic uh, uh, old hob is above him with his gun drawn as baxter's on his knees he goes i ain't the one on my knees baxter goes no not this time but at least my own kind didn't put me here oh now now baxter's trying to get into hob's head he goes you you're dead Baxter goes, perhaps, but whether you kill me or not, a fear worse than fate, or excuse me, a far worse fate is waiting for you and your ilk, every last one of you. And we see here that old Hobbs kind of intrigued. And with that, I'll turn it right back over to you. All right, man. And so the closing moments here with Hobby says, 
he kind of comes to his senses. He takes the gun off Baxter's head and he says, no, not like this. You're right. I am alone. Everything I've built's been torn away, bit by stinking bit. And now I'm going to make sure the same damn thing happens to you. And he's putting his eye patch back on. And I wondered, like, earlier when he showed up, he didn't have the eye patch. And I was like, is that just because we, like, saw him lose it in the scuffle with, you know, the turtles? Or is he trying to, like, spook Baxter here? Like, is he trying to show him, like, this is... This is, you know, some of the damage that you have caused. So you're going to look into, you know, the the pain that you've caused me and other people. Mm. Um, but he's putting the eye patch back on. He says, only worse. I'm going to bring it all crashing down on your head, Stockman. Your business, your politics, your wall, your reputation, your monsters. And when he says that, he shoots all the incubation chambers that have the eggs in them. And so now they're all empty of, of of the uh, mutagen stuff and the eggs. And he says, by the time I'm done, you're going to wish like heck I'd killed you today. Happy holidays, Mr. Mayor. So, some really uh, interesting stuff there. Like, we knew mm-hmm. that Hobb has had beef with Baxter for a long time. We know that, like, in the uh, Mutanimals miniseries, he tried to infiltrate Null's place and, like, take down her mutant army. Like, Hobb, for, for better or worse, has always been trying to stop the more um i guess stop the more kind of adversarial humans uh that are like plaguing the turtles lives like mm-hmm. we it's it's real interesting how much beef the turtles have with old hob and vice versa considering that a lot of uh their enemies they have in common baxter null uh bishop like these are all people that you know, if, if Hob and the Turtles could just set aside their differences, they could really, you know, eliminate some of these problems from their lives. So Kitsune and Shredder, they, they bail out of ba- Baxter's head, and they say, that was a bit of a surprise. Saki says, the mutant cat seems to have an unnerving, an unnerving effect on Stockman. Not something easily come by, speaking from my personal experience with the scientist. And Kitsune says, yes, old Hob could certainly be an asset, but there is an enmity between him and the other mutants that may prove difficult to overcome. And Saki says, leave that to me. So now, back in Baxter's office, uh, his secretary says, Mr. Mayor, I have the information you requested. The paramilitary group's name is Darkwater. Would you like to set up a meeting with them, sir? And he says, yes, Miss Flood, I would like that very much indeed. So, again, another little breadcrumb with another layer of bad guy stuff going on there where we're going to see some sketchy pil- uh, sketchy paramilitary group added to the, uh, to the fray here. So, uh, Saki and Kitsune, they float over the city, and he says, so, our final destination? And Kitsune says, yes. Shredder says, I must admit, I don't know what to expect this time, Kitsune. My past experiences with Krang and Stockman softened any surprises their memories contained. But Madame Null remains a, nist- a mystery to me. And I appreciated that he said that because as a guy who only read bits and pieces of the universe stuff, uh, Madame Null is a mystery to me as well. So I was, I was really glad to get this uh, background on her and learn more about her. And uh, so Kitsune says, to me as well, beloved, which makes her all the more dangerous. And um, we then catch up with Null and her two... Uh, henchman and she says all is in order then zodi and the scorpion lady zodi says yes ma'am the construction crews have left for the night and all guards posted have reported their floors clear and secure 
She says, good. Now leave me, get some rest, both of you. We are about to get much busier very soon. And they say, yes, ma'am, good night. And with that, Saki and Kitsune infiltrate her brain, saying, in my brother's twisted game, she is the wild card. And then we jump in, and this is another thing that, uh, maybe an underrated element that I didn't think of with the opening moves book is books are like how how drastic the kind of like mood changes yes. are mm-hmm. and how much they're showing us like like you and I have talked about before turtles work in so many different things because their roots kind of pull from so many different things like there's your kind of gritty pulpy you know New York action kind of comic stuff there's the martial arts comic stuff there's the sci-fi comic stuff there's the mystical martial art comic stuff like you can kind of do anything you want with turtles as long as you set it up the right way and here we are seeing some like the the next handful of pages basically the rest of the book is like part star wars part dune part like it's it's wild stuff and we were just you know, two pages ago, we were in some scientist guy's lab where he's a human dealing with a mutant stuff that we're super used to in turtles. And now here we are in a completely different dimension on a completely different planet. We, we catch up with null on planet Hyrobel in dimension Z. Uh, and Rob, I will confess to you that I did not know there was a dimension Z. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming they go through the entire alphabet. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, well then in that case, I, Yes, in in that case, I should have assumed there was a Dimension Z. Um, I just have no history with it in the Ninja Turtles comics. But um, we catch up with Null, who is speaking to uh, her cousin, um, whose name is... Notidar? Notidar? Or Noitidar? Yes, Noitidar, thank you. So... Noitaidar says, uh, or Null says, how could you have allowed her to escape with the turnstone, no less? And I'm going to say Tidar for short because it's easier. Tidar says, my apologies again, cousin Null. Those responsible will be punished severely once we've recovered our prey. And she says, if we recover her, don't you mean Noitaidar? And he's just a big, beastly, blue devil looking guy, like riding on some like demon horse alien thing. It's pretty wild Looks stuff. Looks awesome, yeah. Yeah, she says, we've combined this, in, or we've combed this entire sector and nothing. It's as if she's disappeared into thin air. He says, impossible. We would have detected the residual telepo- teleportation energies had she gone that route. He says, no, she is here, and we will find her and the stone. I promise. And she says, promises make for poor profits, cousin, unlike action. With that in mind, we have some very affluent clients in Dimension X who are extremely interested in our latest experiment. So even at this time, like, Null apparently has some kind of technology where she can go between dimensions, which I uh, did not realize. That's pretty pretty impressive. Um, I will read these two pages, Rob, and then I'll turn it over to you, bud. Um, so Null says, seems like a good time for a bit of proof of concept, huh? Oh, wait, did I skip a page? No, I think you got it. Mm-hmm. No, oh, yeah, okay. She says, in our latest experiment, time for proof of concept. And he says, agreed, cousin. Release Verminator. Now, Rob, did you take this as Verminator 2 or Verminator Z? Oh, I I took it as Verminator 2, like Terminator 2. Okay. Uh, oh, perfect. Yep, so V2 Judgment Day. Let's go. <laughs> um, 
So he says, that's it, beast. Prove your worthiness. Find that thrice darned witch. And then we catch up with Cherube, who uh, Rob and I discussed off, uh, off air, guys. She's totally new to me. I have read, I guess this would be a good time to preface a lot of this stuff that like, I have read so little of the Archie TMNT comics. I am familiar with such a small, small percentage of it. I know her name is Cherube, but only because once she was, you know, shown in solicits and shown on some cover art, I saw people talking about it on Twitter. I did the bare minimum of of research, went to Turtlepedia and read up a little bit on Cherube. So I understand that she is from the Archie comics. I am glad that as usual, IDW is pulling some deep cuts from other areas of Turtles uh, lore and adding them into here. And cannot wait to see what uh, Cherube brings to this story that we're about to wrap ourselves into. But um, she is speaking to somebody telepathically and says, please return to me now. This was all a trap. The rescue has failed and I'm too wounded to flee. Hunter has become hunted. Please hurry. I'm running out of time. And she's sensing that this beast, Verminator 2, is on the way. And I will turn the page, and Rob, you can run things from here. All right. Yeah, so Cherube, I um, I, I was like, I know that name. I know that name. And uh, finally, I did the same thing. I did some research. I was like, oh, my gosh, Mary Bones. She was in uh, uh, early, early Archie runs, and then, you know, her character became a little bit more um, important later on in the run. Uh, but, you know, another great pull. And I felt so bad that I didn't recognize the Nova Squad from the last the last issue uh, because that was another Archie pull that um, that I thought was really cool. And it's so great to see them in this universe. But but anyways, so we see that uh, Tidar has sent Verminator 2 to hunt down Cherubay here. So a couple things we already wonder about is like, what does this turnstone do? Why does Null want it? And why, you know, why does Cherubay, why is she guarding it so much? We, we really don't know a lot right now. But apparently this turn, turnstone is pretty darn important. So the Verminator 2 is trying to sniff out Cherubay. And the cousin of Null, uh, Tidar, he's right behind the Verminator. And he says, the beast is locked onto a scent. Null goes from a distance, or I guess she's radioing in. Let's hope for all of our sakes it is the correct one. And I guess this is Null here in the spaceship. She goes, follow that creature. So now we get this little dialogue box says, time to find out if that substantial investment into its creation was worth it. Hmm, interesting. Into its creation. I wonder if they're talking about the turnstone. So Verminator sniffs some blood here. Cherubay's hiding within this uh, cleft of a rock. And Verminator's right below her, kind of stalking her. Tidar goes, Verminator 2 has her. And this is a cool shot. So literally this this beast is just busting through the rock wall. And it says, the girl is as good as ours. She won't slip away again. And that's again from Null's cousin there, Tidar. So Cherubay, she, uh, she zaps the Verminator. And she's trying her best just to fly away uh, uh, during the, you know to avoid the attack. And she's up in the air here. And the cousin sees her. Uh, Cherubay shouts at her enemies, you will not take me, and you will not have the turnstone. <laughs> Nulls is kind of seen from her spaceship, she's like, you were saying, cousin? And, uh, you know, Tidar's <laughs> a little embarrassed, he's like, Ur. I do like his glowing whip, though, that's pretty cool. So now he's chasing after Cherubay somehow. So Null goes, persistent, I'll give him that. And she goes, follow that stubborn fool. 
And Tidar goes, well, get up, you worthless maggot. So poor Verminator didn't get, didn't get his prey. Tidar goes, the hunt's not over. Meanwhile, Cherubay, she's trying to fly, but she is too tired, too wounded to, to go much further. She, can, she goes, can't stop, uh, but too tired, too... She finally crashes in the sand, and this really cool kind of shot where you just see where she's dragged, you know, the, her own momentum has dragged her through this the sand quite a bit. Drops a turnstone, and Tidar goes, there, there it is. Flip the page, and he is pursuing. Uh, so he's on his horse. She goes, she's down, we have her. Uh, the Verminator's right ahead of him. Null says, move to surround her, Noi Tidar. So Verminator is just about to attack. And Cherubay, you know, she barely has consciousness here. She goes, no, back, back, and zaps the Verminator right in the chest with whatever mystical power she has here. And um, Null goes, and control that idiotic beast. So Null's watching all this from her ship. She goes, we want the witch captured, not slaughtered. Cherubay, uh, she goes, you stay back. And her hands are glowing again like she's about to strike. Tidar whips the Verminator, which I kind of feel bad for the Verminator, actually. Just doing his job. Mm-hmm. So he goes, stand yep. down. Trying to. Trying to. So Tidar goes, stand down. I already told you. So he, he gets this net. He shoots it at Cherubay, and she is stuck. Tidar goes, we have her. So I'm assuming this is Null here before I turn the page. And he goes, good cousin Noi. Yeah, it's Null. Good cousin Noi Tidar is right, girl. And you flip the page, and I will turn that right back over to you. Null says, We have you, as we have your brethren, the four winds. I commend your effort today. Despite the trap we laid, you very nearly freed them from their cages. Which, that's an, an interesting little bit right there. Is I have no idea who the four winds are, but mm-hmm. they sound awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she says, But now we have you in your own cage, and this will all go so much easier for you and your comrades, if you cease being so obstinate and return quietly with us to the prison. Understand you and your turnstone will serve me one way or another. And then this big shadow appears over Noitidar, Null, and the Verminator. And this voice comes in from off panel says, I beg to differ, Madam Null. You have neither Cherubay nor the stone. And Null looks up, stunned, surprised, shocked, says no. And then bottom panel, we get this, you know, kind of... uh, over the over the shoulder, over the head look of a character that I'm sure a ton of people will recognize. Or I don't know, maybe not a ton of people. I'm sure a lot of people will recognize. And this character says, they're both coming with me. Cherubay says, thank the creator, you heard my call. He says, yep, we got, del- or got delayed a bit between dimensions, sorry. Cherubay stands up, breaks open the net, which I was like, oh, why, should, why didn't you do that like 10 minutes ago? <laughs> But she says, no apologies necessary. We just need to go now. But I swear, I will return for the others. And it looks like she's, you know, climbing into like a spaceship or something. But if you'll notice, it's an open mouth. She's like walking yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a tongue into a mouth. And the, uh, the, the two characters then like kind of turn into this ghostly form as they like teleport away. And the Verminator jumps after him, you know, just after they disappear. And then Null, being a giant jerk, shoots the Verminator. Aww. Yeah. And uh, Noi Tidar is, is 
surprised as we are. Um, Noel says they're already long gone. Noi Taidar, he says, uh, yes, cousin. She says, as soon as you're done cleaning up that failed prototype, I want you to return to the prison and ensure our other guests are secure. They need not be comfortable, but killing them is out of the question. For the turnstone to be of any use to anyone, all four of them must remain alive. Cherubay knows this. She'll return for the others, so we better be prepared. Lest that girl and her turnstone be the destruction of us all. See to it. You turn the page. And narration from Null says, I have important business elsewhere. As Saki and Kitsune float out of her brain and are now floating outside the window, he says, four winds, turnstones, what does it all mean? I was thinking the same exact thing, Oroku Saki. <laughs> Kitsune says, it appears the answers lie with the one called Cherube. Now, we must return home. So now Saki and Kitsune are discussing things to come. He says, despite the things we have seen, it feels as though I have more questions than when we started Kitsune. She says, even so, you know what you must do with this new information, as well as who you must gather together to help you exploit it. And you must do so without me, beloved. And Saki says, what are you saying, Kitsune? She says, take this. It is the best I can offer as help against my brother for now. After everything that happened with the dragon before and the magic today, the strain of it all is... It is too much to bear. In a moment, I will pass into the thin places. I need time to rest to recuperate. And Shredder says, Kitsune? And then he wakes up and says, he's screaming for her, like, Kitsune! And he looks around and he finds nothing but her fox mask. So now we've got some narration in these, like, pretty cool little, yeah. like, uh, they look like little banners. Um, it says, his name is Oroku Saki. And he is just a man, a man who wonders if he is ready for redemption, a man who fears he is unworthy, a man who has been searching for a sign, a man who is through waiting. And as those panels are going down, we see Saki standing on a roof, and in the background, you can overlook uh, the area of town that's walled off to be Mutant Town, and he sees... Yeah. Um, what looks like a meteor or something crashing into Mutant Town, we know that it is Ceres Triceraton ship. And he clutches this scroll that Kitsune gave him. And you turn the page, and Rob, you can have that last page and, and get us on out of here. All right, sounds good. I love that. I love that Shredder scene too, by the way. You know, searching for the sign. Very cool. Yeah, and then you see Ceres uh, uh, crash there. So there's his sign. He goes, okay. Time to go. Puts his helmet on. Good to go. <laughs> so, uh, so here's our epilogue. Here, <laughs> I remember in the last uh, last episode we were talking about you know Hungry Krang here, and you did a great like <laughs> like I don't know if you remember, but you did like a I'm so hungry <laughs> for Krang. <laughs> that was a great voice you did for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so anyways, a Rat King shows up here uh, in the alley as poor Krang, and uh, you know remember Leatherheads he's refusing to eat to try to starve out his parasite. So it says, this is the Rat King talking here uh, in the dark alleyway. We just see his shadow. I hope you don't mind me, my saying, but you look absolutely awful and you smell even worse. Like warmed over death with a hint of... And then he sniffs the air, Kitsune? So Rat King's like, he's tracked them down. He's like, interesting. Oh, now this game's gonna get interesting. So he holds over the starving Leatherhead and Krang, 
and he go he picks up a rat and he goes so little sister not quite finished with the game after all hmm and then he throws a rat right into leatherhead's jaws and he says come on now beasties we can't have you in such a sorry state it appears we have more determined competition than i expected that's it eat up don't be shy <laughs> I love Craig with like this happy face. He goes, oh, good. <laughs> and then meanwhile, we've got this kind of disturbing scene where Rat King is swallowing a mouse hole here, gulping it down. And then the final shot here, final panel, the red-eyed sinister grin of our, our main antagonist here. Rat King says, plenty more where that came from. To be continued, the Armageddon game number one. So the opening moves are done. Here we go. So that's how this issue ends. Yep, no more no more pregame, man. Just the big show now. Here we go. There we go. And then we and then the next few pages are just copies of the or pages of the covers. And yeah, you are right. I am loving that Kevin Eastman cover with the uh what was it, the um Kirby Crackle? Kirby Crackle, yes sir. <laughs> that's great. I love that. So yeah, man, what did you think of this issue? I really, really dug this issue, dude. Like, like I kind of mentioned when I was talking about this stuff with Cherubay, like it, it really more so, well, actually, no, I can't say more so than the last one because the last one, both of these issues uh, were great because it refreshed some stuff yeah. for a villain that I already like was kind of, not even kind of like, Refresh some stuff for a villain I knew a lot about and had a lot of history with, whether it's in this version of Turtles or otherwise, but then also spent the other half of the book updating me on characters that I knew nothing about. So like opening moves one, I'm familiar with Leatherhead and Krang. I had no idea who the Nova Squadron was. So it was like 50-50. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Refresh me and, you know, completely school me to somebody new to me. And then same thing here where... Obviously, super familiar with Baxter, uh, super familiar with what he's got going on and why he's, you know, got, um, you know, an, a kind of adversarial thing going on with Hob, but had no idea who Cherubay was, did not know a ton about Null. The big floating head that was teased to us, um, I don't know if we should leave that out or address it. What do you think? Like, should we... Like, they, they hid it from us for a reason, but should we talk about it since we know who it is? I think we should, especially since we talked about it uh, before we recorded, because uh, I was a okay. little, I was wondering about this, and I'm so glad that you kind of confirmed it. Yeah, so as we saw there in the, the Hyrobal Dimension uh, Z scene, uh, Cherubay is waiting for Cuddly the Cowlick to show <laughs> up and help her. And Cuddly the Cowlick shows up and helps her. Now, guys, this is another character that I have very little experience with, but no, because they're kind of a, like, maybe the best example, Rob, is that fair to say? The best example of, like, how kind of, like, wacky and over-the-top <laughs> Turtles comic stuff can get, but, like, in a fun comic book way. So, guys, Cuddly the Cowlick is a part alien, part cyborg cow head. Mm -hmm. Like a, literally a cow head that functions as like a person, like their own character, but also functions as like a spaceship. So 
Cherube in this issue walks up Cudley's tongue and gets teleported away. And again, it's just some of the like most brazen, <laughs> ridiculously fun comic book stuff you're going to read in a turtles book. And here we are like Cudley now exists in the IDW universe. And I think we're all better off for it. I, you know, that's a character. Uh, you're right. And that's a character I never actually thought would I'm like, okay, I, I don't expect to see him anywhere else. And you know what? Stranger things, I guess, have happened. But here we are, <laughs> you know, because I remember here we are, dude. I know what a, what a time to be alive. Because I remember when um, I've read the intergalactic wrestling uh, issue. I I was telling uh, Zach right before we recorded that there was a point in time in the the late '90s and early 2000s where I found or. Uh, uh, I would, I, I guess you could say I rediscovered it, um, the Archie series, and I got a big lot of uh, the comic books for very cheap. And I remember reading through them chronologically, and at first, some of the issues were based on cartoon episodes. But very, very quickly, it kind of starts to do its own thing, the Archie series. And then I think it's issue seven or eight, we get the intergalactic wrestling one, which is so weird. And I remember the cow head spitting people out in different dimensions and a tree guy that was like a promoter for the wrestling match uh, for the turtles and all these other alien creatures. And I thought to myself, even back then as a teenager, like, this is so weird, but I like it. Yep. And here we are, you know, 20 some years later, we're getting these, um, I guess they're beloved characters in a brand new medium. And I like it. Yeah, man. They are, they are here, and it's one of those things, dude, where I'm glad it's happening in a big event, like kind of crossover thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's, I, I want to see like how it's executed in Armageddon game, and then I want to see like how much we see some of these characters afterwards, because one thing that I've loved about IDW is that because it's comic books, because it's aimed for like a little bit of a, or not because it's comic books, but because it's a long-running version of Turtles comics that kind of focus on a more, um, like on an older, more mature Turtle crowd. Like, we've seen these books be, you know, really serious in tone. We've seen them handle, like, mature subject matter, like, you know, alcoholism and abuse and, you know, personal trauma. Um, These books have gotten, like, really gory at times, as we've discussed with, like, uh, the Barlow stuff and, you know, a lot of Pablo Tunica's art, like really pushing the limits with some of that body horror stuff. And so there's been some times where they dip off and they get wacky with the turtle stuff, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady, um, you know, destroy everything. And the Dimension X miniseries where essentially you see that character that you're talking about. I don't remember his name, but the, the tree guy who's the wrestling promoter, mm-hmm. he shows up in that, um, that five issue miniseries for Dimension X because oh, yeah. uh, the turtles are trying to go around and, and collect witnesses for the trial of Krang. And so the the IDW books have definitely uh, gotten silly at times. And when I say silly, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm, I just mean it as like, you know, embracing silliness in a way that comic books can. And... I, I think they balance it really where really well where the silliness feels like a reprieve or like a break from the serious stuff because they like build us up, build us up. It's intense. It's intense. It's serious. And then we get this big, like, you know, the big climax, the big finale. 
and then they'll slow things back down and then they'll let it like be serious for a little bit and then they'll let it be maybe somber for a little bit and then we start building back up and so they've they've always been really good about pacing and like um you know balancing the tone and so like if cuddly shows up in armageddon game and then you know all of a sudden they're you know a, a big main character in like the ongoing book i'd be like oh, okay i don't know if i need the floating cow head like all the time but <laughs> if cuddly's going to show up in some of the events or some of the side series like that's totally cool i'm i'm really interested to see what cuddly and cherubay and the four winds like excited to see what that turns into and then you know same thing for the nova squadron like they basically they feel like the ninja turtles version of like the guardians of the galaxy so I'm interested to see like what those types of characters bring to the Ninja Turtles books. And again, man, opening moves one and two, we, we had the pregame, we had the annuals, uh, which were collected in the pregame, but like pregame stuff, opening move stuff, all bets are off now, dude. No more, no more warm up, no more stretching, no more like, you know, sips of Gatorade before the game. Like we're in it to win it now. Like the Armageddon game is it's out later this month, like the 24th or the 28th or something. Armageddon game one is here. I'm excited, man. And I'll tell you what, too. I started thinking about the, the teams we've got here, right? So please refer, like if I'm leaving somebody out, let me know because we've got, okay, the bad guys. We've got Null. Null's doing something with the clones from what I remember. We got Baxter. Baxter's want to do something with the paramilitary group. And, of course, all of his machines. And then we... Well, no, he doesn't have those eggs anymore, so he doesn't have that. Uh, so we got Null. We've got Baxter. we got Leather Krang. We've got Rat King. Am I missing anybody? No, so Rat King... Rat King basically hired or, or connected with three people, right? Mm-hmm. Leather Krang, Null, and... Um, Baxter. Oh, my gosh, you just... Baxter, thank you. Um... So that's his like they're they're calling him the trio of terror. It's like the Rat King mm-hmm. and his trio of terror. Those entities upon themselves will obviously have their underlings as well. Right. So like Baxter's got all his mouser tech. He's got these eggs that he may or may not have some left over. He's gonna have this paramilitary group in the EPF. Null has got her henchmen and who knows how many other uh, mutants ready to fight for her. Not to mention these turtle doppelgangers that yes. they've been teasing out for us, you know, for, for five plus issues now. Um, those seem like they're going to be a big threat. And then Krang is, he's a little bit of a wild card in this situation too, because normally like Krang would have, you know, other Utrams backing him up, but he's been stuck in Leatherhead for so long. Like, A, nobody even knows Krang is alive. And B, he's not like connected with his people. So yeah. I'm interested to see like with Sari getting mixed into things, what are we going to see there between the Triceratons and the Utrams? Like, are they going to get mixed up in this? Right. Um, you know, and then that's just like, that's just the people on that side of the, th- of the, of the fence. Yeah. Then you get over to the good guys. I think the good guy side stacked. Like seriously. Super stacked. Yeah. You got the Nova squad. You got Cherubay. You got Hob. Uh, sort of. I guess he's a, he could be a good guy at this point. Turtles, the Shredder, and then you've got like other people out there that we haven't heard from in a while, like Karai. If the Utrams somehow get involved, maybe the Neutrinos get involved. The good guys yeah. are stacked, man. 
I mean, we we saw the neutrinos in the issue with the Nova Squadron. Yeah. Um. Yeah, dude. The the turtle side, like they've definitely. I mean, and let's not forget, like the turtles have Shredder on their side now. Yeah. And with dark magic and everything. Uh, or, or Saki, excuse me. Yeah. And and Saki is like we like we talked about in one thirty one, like. Saki's teaching them these dark magic moves, these kind of mystical kung fu moves. He's basically like a ghost ninja himself, like floating through walls and flying around and, you know, whatever else he's doing. Like, Saki is, you know, he's the he's the dark horse for these guys. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, the or the X factor, if you will. Um, but yeah, man, it's it seems like it's just going to be a big, big epic event and i can't wait to like fully fully get into it because you know uh 131 if you guys listen to that you heard rob say like it feels like it parallels uh opening moves too or or as rob said at the beginning of this episode opening moves too feels like it's it's um you know mirroring those stories in a way where in 131 we saw these panels uh and pages of like the fears that the turtles have and what they're confronting within themselves. And then in opening moves, you're seeing Saki and Shredder go from villain to villain and see what they're worried about, what they're afraid of. So we're kind of laying all the pieces out here for the good guys and the bad guys to see, you know, what they feel like they're up against. And I just feel like it's just going to be a massive, massive explosion, dude. Um, Really interested I haven't really put a lot of thought into this yet because there's there's so much content coming up. Like this this thing's gonna take up twenty four books, dude. Yeah, yeah. About um, I don't know if you saw that checklist that that made its way on a Twitter. If not, I'll send it to you. Yes, I did. Um, the one Tom Walsh shared. Yeah, dude. Twenty four issues over ten months. Like ton of books, dude. Ton of books. And so I'm interested to see like when we get done with this thing, like. What's the new status quo in the <laughs> ongoing? Like, where do where do we go from here uh, with with all these characters, you know, coming in and out of the universe? So it's it's exciting stuff. It's crazy times. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like twenty four issues. It, it, you know, there's probably going to be a delay or two, so it might end up being like a year's worth of storyline right here. And then you know, totally. Th- where I mean, does if you own- count the opening move stuff, it already has been, dude. Right, exactly. Or, or if you count the opening move stuff, it definitely will be a year plus. Right, right. So the only thing I could think of is like after this, where does the ongoing go? I would love, uh, this is just fantasy booking, but I would love on almost like a Civil War type of giant story arc, you know, where you've got some of the good guys, you know, feuding with some of the other good guys for totally legit reasons. But yeah. uh, I, who knows? Who knows? I, I That's one thing we haven't seen so much yet with the Turtles. But yeah, I love what, what what's going on here. I just hope they don't reset things because we have such a beautiful canon of characters here. I don't want to go right back down to the very beginning after this. So I'm hoping there's still a lot of mileage left um, in the ongoing. I, I can't say 100% for sure one way or another. But let's just, I will say that I heard at Comic-Con that the the team behind the book uh, at IDW and Nickelodeon is already prepping stuff for 150 and, oh, and probably good. beyond. So, Yay. so I'd, I'd say we're at least going to see this thing run to 150 and, uh, and hopefully beyond, dude. It doesn't, doesn't sound like they have, doesn't sound like anything's stopping. 
anytime soon. Oh man, I hope not. It's so good. It's so good. So, like, like dude, one one fifty is going to get us at least. Uh, getting to one fifty will get us at least two more years of this book. Yeah. Um, I would I would love to see this thing run up to to two hundred. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I, I would wonder because I don't know if Sophie wants to do that many or not, but I wonder who would. I mean, I think she certainly could. It's been amazing, but uh, I, yeah, I yeah, wonder yeah. like who would be the next guy, or would they rotate writers after that? I, it's it's interesting to see who the next writer would be. Um, yeah, to no, good question. Yeah, but oh my goodness! So we got plenty of good stuff to talk about. I love doing the um, the booking between the good guys and bad guys. Seeing also <laughs> so, seeing also who's out there that we haven't seen in a while, and whether or not you know what's gonna turn the tides for you know either side like Karai, yeah the neutrinos uh there's there's a few well, more dude there. the um there's there's gonna be five one shots throughout this thing called uh armageddon game alliance oh and yeah. the first one the first one is about Karai, and the second oh. one is about casey jones so Ooh. we're gonna catch up with Karai. we're gonna catch up with kate uh casey I believe the one after that uh, is is about April, so we'll see what April's up to. Um, I I think we'll touch base with with people we need to touch base with. All right, I'm excited. Awesome. All right, me guys. too, buddy. Well, hey, stay tuned for um, I guess issue yeah issue 132 is already out as we're recording this. Um, I guess by the time you hear this, maybe even the our first Armageddon game issue might be coming out. So. Uh, We've got, we're almost caught up completely. We just got to do an episode on 132, and then maybe we'll, we'll probably do the same thing, maybe double up on uh, issue or episodes. Uh, but we will try to stay up to date with this as best we can, even if I've got to stay up till 1.30 in the morning to do it. <laughs> so uh yeah guys really 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 show your appreciation for rob here guys he is he is soldiering on and trudging through like pulling out all the stops like the man said it's 1 30 his time it's 10 30 my time i've basically got everybody quiet in the house so appreciate there's there's things being done over here that i appreciate and there's things being done in tennessee that i appreciate and i hope <laughs> you guys as listeners uh appreciate them as well absolutely absolutely well Hey man, I appreciate you coming on, my friend, and always enjoy. Uh, of course, talking, bud. Always enjoy talking turtles with you, man. Uh, so, as we're winding this down, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find all of your amazing Ninja Turtle content, my friend? Uh, well, Turtles Forever listeners, you can find some of my content here on Turtles Forever when I record <laughs> team up episodes with Rob Luther. The uh, other half of the team up episodes you can find on my show, Booyaka Show, a TMNT podcast. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you want to find and interact with me directly, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at ZosoTMNT. That's at Z O S O T M N T. Um, I will catch you guys out there in the. Uh, in the social universe. Awesome. And you can always follow me at Turtle Pod Rob on Instagram and Twitter or send us an email at Turtles Forever. I think it's, yeah, Turtles Forever Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we're on all the, um, the podcast feeds. Be sure to check out uh, our both of our shows. Uh, Five-star rating or review certainly helps um, both of our shows so much. And we always appreciate the ones that we receive. Um, so, um, if you have time, if, if you have the ability to do it, that would really mean a lot to us. It's uh, the best way you can pay uh, us back for the show because the more ratings we receive, the more the directories display our show and the more people find the show. So it really does help kind of yep. spread the word and 
the bottom line is we all want to talk about turtles together. So uh, the more the merrier. So uh, with that, guys, I guess the last question we need to ask before we close this out is what type of pizza are we going to have to close out another Totally Tubular episode of Turtles Forever, my friend? Well, um, after reading an issue that features Cuddly the Cowlick, <laughs> we cannot have beef on this pizza. I was going to say, oh. Um, no, I am not that cold-blooded. <laughs> um, let's go with a... I'm gonna I'm gonna go dessert pizza, dude. It's 10:30 my time, Ooh. and I'm I'm partially thinking of just like going crazy and stuffing my face with sweets right now. So <laughs> let's do a dessert pizza that is gonna be like a like a thick doughy crust. I want you to guys like to envision envision a, a a hybrid between a pizza and a cinnamon roll. Ooh, uh, like this this. Dough is just drizzled with cinnamon and brown sugar, and uh, some some uh, some cream and icing, and then I'm gonna throw some uh, some slices of banana on there Ooh. with some with some crumbled walnuts, and then boom, <laughs> there it is, dude. Oh man, cinnamon All roll right. pizza with banana and walnuts. You know that sounds actually really wonderful right now. Even at 1:30 in the morning, that sounds. Actually, that sounds great. <laughs> with with a do, cup of coffee. Do, your, <laughs> do yourself a favor, Rob. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon roll pizza breakfast. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like where your head's at. That sounds good to me. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. And Zach, thank you again for coming on, man. Always a blast, my friend. And Thank uh, you, dude. Oh, dude. Already looking forward to 132. So, guys, uh, with that, here's to hope you enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, and enjoy a mega slice of cinnamon roll with brown sugar, icing, walnuts, and banana pizza. Cowbunga, dudes! Cowbunga! B cover? Um... I believe it is the B cover for Armageddon Game Issue 2 that was done by Sophie Campbell, actually. And it Ooh. is just its just a cover of space, like outer space, with Cuddly the Cowlick's head like floating through it. Um, <laughs> it's, That's awesome. It's, yeah, it's a pretty fun cover. But, but yeah, dude, no, you are... I'm glad you asked. I, I knew the name Cuddly. I am not familiar with Cuddly. I have I've read so little of the Archie stuff, dude. Um, it's it's really hard to collect. It's not easy to find um, uh, big chunks of it anywhere. There's like people have it on eBay and stuff, but like it's it's not something that like you'll go and find in just like any comic shop. Like yes, you can find some Mirage stuff here and there. You can find IDW stuff, even the Image stuff. Like you can find that here and there. I feel like I see Archie stuff, but besides like, besides maybe the 2001 Mirage stuff that like Laird and Lawson were doing, I feel like the Archie stuff is, is like just as hard to come across as that, especially later, uh, issues in the series. But, um, Oh yeah. Like I, I remember, um, in the early 2000s, it was like right around the time that I started getting into volume four, I did an ebay search because i remembered seeing some archie stuff when i was a kid like in stores but never getting to really buy any or anything like that 
and I got like a huge lot of them. I got like 30 or 40 issues of them. Dang. Um, for, for cheap, for cheap. But I, it wasn't the entire run. Uh, but I remember kind of going through that's those. That's most of it, dude. It's only like 70 issues. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a big chunk, big chunk. And then uh, it was so heartbreaking. Uh, it was sometime in the summer where Crypto Comics was having this summer sale. And they had some comics out front for a dollar. And I, I was a little bit late. I forget. Well, we had to take care of some chores and stuff. And so I finally get there around noon or maybe 1 o'clock. And Rocky, he goes, oh, man, I'm he's like, I just sold a bunch of Archie stuff for a dollar a piece. Or do or it was like almost the entire run he had had. Wow. Uh, and I was like, oh, you're kidding me. He almost had the entire thing, a dollar a piece for each issue. I would have bought the whole lot if I could have. Dude. But, oh, it broke my heart. I was literally like an hour late. Somebody else came by, must have been a Turtle fan, and bought yeah. it all. And, dude, and that's a tough one, too, because that's, like, honestly, dude, like, that's what most of those books should cost like mm -hmm. you should not be paying more than like four to five bucks for most of those issues now there's some things like you know issue 23 is the first appearance of slash in the comics um and then like again later issues like some of the issues in like the 50s or 60s and, and especially the last two like 71 and 72 like their lower print run because it's the last stuff right um and you know in popularity wane so they're printing less copies so like some of that stuff is hard to find like those those i'd say at most should be like maybe 30 to 40 dollar books That's like what there's I was thinking. there's nothing crazy going on in them they're not first appearances they're not you know they're not key issues they're just hard to find so like finding you know in the right condition like, sure, like any of them could be like six to ten bucks if they're like brand new, like untouched, near mint copies. Like, but, but if you're finding Archie stuff, few and far between are they going to be like super crispy, minty copies. Like, right. if you're finding Archie stuff in a comic book shop, chances are you should be paying like two dollars a book at most and so mm -hmm. that's that's one of those tough ones where like man you could have crushed like a whole big chunk of it for a buck a book that's so yes. so rad oh it killed um, me it killed me inside i've i've got a similar story but not as good a deal i was over in phoenix one time visiting my mom and my brother and my brother took me to this comic shop that um he had gone to a few times i'd never been and we walk in and it was a great shop dude like had a good mix of like old stuff new stuff and then like some really like big books like they had um can't remember exactly what book it is tales of suspense something um like the first appearance of iron man they had the uh, a giant size x-men number one like you know first night uh nightcrawler and colossus oh, and, you know, cool. yada yada like they had some big big books in there uh and i did end up buying some turtle books from them i actually think i got a cover a of uh, IDW TMNT 44 from them which had eluded me for a while mm -hmm. but um, I remember being like in awe that behind the cash register they had this wall that it had like kind of like an indent in it with like a desk space so like you look at uh, like there was one chunk of wall for like four or five feet and then it would it dipped in like one or two feet ran another you know four or five feet across and then popped back out so it kind of had this like again like an indent where like a desk or a cabinet was in the wall so like mm -hmm. the cabinet was flush with the other two walls 
And they had set up this thing where they could put back issues on these racks that would ran that ran the whole length of the wall, even with the indent. And dude, when I was there, they had filled every square inch of that wall with Archie back issues. Oh, cool. Like it it dude, for all I know, it might have been the whole series. <laughs> and at the time, I I wasn't I wasn't thinking like long term like oh i'm gonna try and go after like every ninja turtle comic because at the time I, I wasn't doing that like i was only trying to get uh the idw stuff and the the first mirage run um one through it's like 62 a virus. it yeah. totally is dude it absolutely 100 percent is especially with something like turtles where you're like oh the first one's one through 62 but then volume two is only 13 issues like i can get 13 issues really easy right uh -huh. and then you're like oh but then there's a tales of the tmnt volume that's like 70 issues and then the archie <laughs> run is 70 issues and now the idw run is 130 like they they stack up very fast right no kidding amen but I remember thinking like, oh, that's cool, man. Like, I, Rob, I was so unconcerned. I didn't even ask the dude the price on any of the issues. <laughs> like, it was just like, oh, that's cool. A whole big wall of turtles. Didn't take a picture or anything. And now it haunts me <laughs> because I'm like, I could have at least grabbed like five or 10 or like just seen, seen what the prices were. And like, like, dude, if I'd ask them like, hey, man, what are some of those Archie books going for? If they were like two to four dollars, I could have maybe left with like twenty or thirty issues. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'd, I'd probably spent like seventy or eighty bucks that day in the shop. Like, why not bump it up some more and get a whole big chunk of this run done? But I was just so unfazed by it because I wasn't grabbing that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, I dude, get just it. and then the next time I went back, they didn't have that turtle stuff on the wall, oh. and I went and looked in their bins, and this was where like another kind of wrench in the thing was. I went back, they didn't have those turtle books up on the wall, so I checked the back issue boxes, they didn't have them in the back issue boxes, and so I asked the guys, like, hey man, like, you guys used to have these walls decked out in Archie Turtles, like, but I don't see those over in the boxes, like, did you sell all that stuff? And he's like, oh, probably not, dude, but we have, we have a space two doors down that has all our, like, 80s and 90s back issues in it, like a whole bunch of, like, filler stuff but we only opened that part of the store on Saturdays. I was oh, there on wow. a Sunday. Oh. <laughs> I was so bummed, dude. So I was like, you guys have a whole other, like, they essentially have an, a whole other store Yeah. where it's just back issues of like 70s, 80s, 90s stuff because there's so much of that stuff out there. So I was like, dang, I could go over there and like, just wreak havoc on these turtles back issue bins like who knows what i would find in there <laughs> uh, but yeah man and and of course i haven't been back since but i i need to i need to fix that i need to remedy that oh man that's so cool you know i, I would i would love to hear your take uh you know because they were definitely the archie books were kids books and i know that you know you didn't grow up necessarily with the original cartoon but I still think it would be fun. Like, I, I, if you ever want to talk about a few, maybe on a Patreon episode or something like that, uh, let me know. Let me know. I'd love to talk with a talk, uh, go through them with you, in particular, because I know, you know, you probably haven't read a bunch of these before. Uh, dude, I don't think I maybe own f five Archie issues. That's it, dude. That is it. Um, and 
and I would love to read through them because I know like I know starting out they were like real heavy on the kids vibes and they were real heavy on like channeling the the vibe of the original cartoon yeah but I know that like supposedly like somewhere pretty quickly the vibe changes and you know the turtles team up with the mutanimals and they effectively become like uh like they're kind of like eco warriors like trying to protect yes. the planet like from what i've heard like a lot of the stuff is like them trying to you know uh like basically focus on stories about them saving the planet or being yeah. kind to the planet and then like i know that there's some stuff at the end that gets pretty serious like mm-hmm. uh, from what i've heard it's kind of a slept on run and i think it's because people just view it as like oh that was the kids run yes which i personally me i don't mind that like i because i was a kid during that time so i kind of view it as something kind of innocent but even some of the later ones like you're referring to they they still they're still for kids but they kind of slid in some more you know real world issues into the books uh yeah i I mean dude i'm yeah sorry to cut you off but i'm I'm sitting here looking at a poster that a friend made uh for his clothing company that it has the panel of Raphael punching hitler in the face (laughs) um and i i bought it because again the homie like he took that panel um, and then above the panel, he put smash racism and underneath it, it says, don't talk about it, be about it. And I was like, uh, I have to have that for my turtles office. That's awesome. Um, because a, I love turtles and B, I love the idea of punching racists. Um, <laughs> and you, <laughs> um, you can edit all this stuff out if you need to, but, um, oh, no, it's good stuff. but no, so it's a, it's a great uh, it's a really, really great print. Um, it's by my buddy Chris. Uh, he he runs an Instagram called Youth Energy. You guys should check that out. It's uh, at Youth X Energy. But yeah, dude, like Raph with an eye patch punching Hitler is is not the most kid friendly thing I've ever read. Um, so so I know that this book goes places, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and man, well, you should uh, tackle one day, and, and if you do, let me know. Let me know. It'd be fun to deal with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll cross that bridge eventually.
idea was it to come up with that totally mildly Jamaican stuff? I like that Rastafarian kind of stuff. You Who know? do you think this stuff was? It was my stuff, man. Come on. Oh, yeah. Who else but somebody like Leonardo could think of something like that? Well, I gotta tell you, it was totally cool, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, Mikey man. How about that 12 days, though, man? Did that go on for, like, 12 years or what? What are you talking about, uh, my son? Oh, sorry, Master Splinter. I mean, it was, like, the best song of the whole thing. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I'll, I'm going to play it right now. Well, you know, we really like the kids helping us out on uh, getting a gift for Splinter and, and, and singing We Wish You a Turtle's Christmas. I mean, that was really nice. It was very Christmassy. How about some of my favorites, like, uh, Rap Rap? Was that something awesome or what, man? Hey, that was some Christmas tree, though, wasn't it? Oh, man, it was, like, totally awesome! And what was with that pair of sneakers you got me? They were a little too small for my feet, and I only have three toes, thank you very much. Oh, come on, man, I'm trying to do the best I can. It was like, you know, last-second shopping. That's about, like, all they had left. You ever tried to go out and buy a sneaker with two toes? Huh? The lady almost, like, laughed me out of Macy's, man. Come on, Leo! Hey, you know, I really like that Donatello watch. That sold, like, hotcakes, like... Totally happening this Christmas. Oh man, I got one on right now, but it, it. Wait a minute. I think it stopped, man. What's going on out there, man? Hey, give me some of that.